from the Mercy One Studio. Making it personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher-Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with Father Zach Kautsky of the Diocese, who's currently serving as a chaplain for the U.S. Air Force at Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana. We'll talk to him about his ministry and more, but before we get to today's interview, let's find out what's on the bishop's mind. Good morning, Kelly. It's good to have your radiant presence back in morning. the morning. Here yes. in our seminary, Stan Ashes, who's been doing a great job with us. Mm-hmm. But he's now on double, double, double secret probation after his kind of willful uh, exercise of the furlough video that he made <laughs> with the pastoral staff on video the last two weeks. So after he completes his period of penance and rejoins us for the seminary gathering on Monday, I'm joking, folks, uh, <laughs> seminary gathering on Monday, we'll have the seminarians all together from the Diocese of Des Moines, all 19 of them oh, who will be awesome. entering the school. So those mm-hmm. are Strong numbers. Again, yeah. credit to Bishop Pates and uh, Father Ross Parker, but sure. to the Spirit of God. So I get a chance to sit down with each of them and then have a little conference. Originally, all the seminarians of Iowa, the province, were supposed to be together, hosted by the Diocese of Des Moines this year uh, in Johnston. But mm-hmm. uh, given the COVID things, we're going to wait and take a, a pass on that. But it'll be good to be together. Of course, we'll social distance and then mm-hmm. uh, opportunity for a holy hour both days and on Tuesday also. So, uh, Stan, uh, if you're out there listening, uh, uh, you know, I I apologize for slighting your reputation, but uh, <laughs> but you, Kelly, you right now you should your your original plan before COVID was to be in Oberammergau, Germany, right? Yes, you know, yeah, to, to take in the Passion Play, which, right? Yes, my husband Jason. Uh, some people know we do Collins travel and pilgrimages. We were going to go to Germany and Austria. We had a, a group that was it was a full trip, and um, yeah. yeah. But the Passion Play, this was yeah. back in March. We heard it was going to be postponed for two years, right? For two, two years, right, yep. So yeah. Um, yeah, so we had to cancel. So we're going to go back in two years for twenty twenty. Too. Okay, um, well, that's, yeah. uh, I think that's one of the top ten Christian pilgrimages in the world. If people are so blessed to be able to do that, yeah. so you look and forward to it. And you've seen it as well. So. I was fortunate, yes, uh, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but you can consider yourself not being mocked by the Germans when you're over there. You know, you're being spared that because you know they would say. Zainama is measure, and you don't even speak German. <laughs> So, you know, show no mercy in that yeah. regard as well so, to our German friends. But, uh, yeah, today, the 31st, is the Feast of St. Ignatius right. of Loyola. So mm-hmm. uh, our prayers and our uh, props to all our Jesuit friends. Of course, mm-hmm. the Holy Father, Pope Francis as well, who was a Jesuit superior for many years mm-hmm. and uh, continues to do so. Uh, the Jesuits, uh, sometimes a, a checkered history, if you will. They were suppressed for 200 years. And I think one of the figures that brought them back more robustly than anyone might have been Ennio Morricone, the composer who died this month on July 6th, famous movie composer uh, mm-hmm. for the Clint Eastwood movies, The Good, Bad, and Ugly. Actually won an Oscar for uh, Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, but it was his score for the mission, which I think has lifted most of our souls, that beautiful ethereal score for the mission, that movie, which talked about the Jesuit uh uh, in, in, in uh, settlements, I, I'm mm-hmm. grading the word. The uh, oh, the word is escaping me. But uh, in in Paraguay and, and mm-hmm. in Latin America, so that marvelous uh, score to Gabriel's oboe. But he, in his last one of his last works was actually to compose a mass that was performed at the Jeju Church in in Rome oh, at the okay. request of his wife as well. So he did a lot to I think kind of shine a light for the the, the graces and the missionary work of, of the Jesuits here as well. Of course, we can't resist a little bit, you know, a little tea here, the Jesuit Dominican and a Trappist who found themselves marooned on a desert island. 
there was a magic lamp, and after some discussion, they decided to rub it. Lo and behold, a genie appeared and offered them three wishes. So they decided each one should get one wish. The Jesuit said he wanted to teach at the world's most famous university. Poof, he was gone. The Dominican wished to preach in the world's largest church. Poof, he was gone. And then the Trappist monk said, gee, I already got my wish. <laughs> so but uh, we got, we've got more, but, uh, you know, <laughs> in, that, in that regard. I did laugh. I just have to give you a hard time. <laughs> so, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get this back together in the weeks ahead once Stan returns to school. But uh, so, again, um, to the, all to the glory of God, uh, you know, ad maiorum dei gloriam, uh, mm. that uh, all of us, I think, whether we're Jesuit affiliated or not. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll welcome diocesan priest, Father Zach Kautsky. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. The coronavirus has impacted lives in Iowa and around the world. This is especially true in rural South Africa, where COVID-19 restrictions have led to vulnerable children being hospitalized due to starvation. To combat this hunger, Blessman International now offers a program called One Child at a Time. You can sponsor a child in South Africa for $1 a day. Learn more at blessmaninternational.org. Blessmaninternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Mesher-Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with Father Zach Kautsky of the Diocese, who's currently serving as a chaplain for the U.S. Air Force at Barksdale Air Force, Air Force Base in Louisiana. Good morning, Father Kautsky, Father Zach. Uh, good to be heavy with us, sir, on the on this fine morning. Thank you for making time for us. Uh, we've had some brief encounters uh, last year when I was first named as bishop and everything else, but we haven't had a whole lot of opportunity exchange. You were so wise and discerning that with the incoming bishop, maybe it was best time to uh, begin that special <laughs> ministry in the Air bishop, Force. It had so. nothing to do with, with you coming in, but we were kind of crossing paths. You were coming in, and I was leaving, so which I was sad about. Uh, well, you're, you're kind to say that, and I'm just teasing, but uh, no, that was well decided and discerned with Bishop Pates, and uh, you know, I think that sense of even tithing some of our priests uh, to those men and women in the armed forces as well. So uh, as I've been in the uh, diocese now about 10 months, uh, one thing I've appreciated that there's a, a Kautsky footprint at large in the Des Moines Diocese. So is it siblings and others who have various uh, roles and ministries? Can you talk a little bit about uh, your family and just the upbringing? Is the show is entitled "Making It Personal," Bishop Johnson? <laughs> well, sure. And I grew up in uh, outside of Perry, Iowa, on a farm there, and it's a a family farm. Been in our family for like 120 years or more now, mm-hmm. and now it's fourth generation, so my one of my brothers, uh, Brian, is now farming uh, there and has his family lives there. And so I also have an uncle who he passed away in the year 2000, Father John Kowski, who is a, like a beloved pastor around our diocese mm-hmm. as well, and, and certainly was a part of our lives growing up. Uh, he actually kept cattle at our farm, so we saw him pretty frequently. Uh, as he was, uh, he was really into showing cattle, and so he was 
he was around and, and certainly an inspiration. He baptized all of my siblings and I and did my parents' wedding. Uh, and so we grew up there and we uh, went to St. Patrick's School in Perry mm-hmm. and St. Patrick's Catholic Church there. And before I was ordained, actually, the, the last vocation on that parish was my uncle uh, back in the 1960s. 1962. So it was it was a little stretch there between vocations, and hopefully we'll uh, continue to have more vocations out of out of Perry uh, St. Patrick's. But just a it was a wonderful parish. We had great priests, very different personalities uh, mm-hmm. came through, and uh, so we were very blessed to. You know, my parents were very involved in in RCIA and finance council, and and really a. Uh, were generous with their time at the parish, and I always felt at home there at, at St. Pat's, and, and so it was a so just a beautiful part of Catholic the ordinary culture in which you grew up, your family and, and the church. They were kind of a seamless uh, a bond, a kind of a larger family, if you will. Um, was what would you say? Was it the profile of your uncle, or just priests in general? I mean, you saw them as real human beings. There was less of a mystique about that, or was there something that uh, attracted you that you think God's call to you came through uh, some of these personalities? For me, it was seeing priests, important moments in people's lives, uh, those pivotal times, you know, and the the good times and the bad and everything in between. It was seeing the priest there in the person of Christ, walking with people, and you know, helping them to be closer to God. And so it was uh, for me, uh, kind of that idea of you know the priest going between God and man, you know, interceding on behalf of of people before God and and bringing God to people through the sacraments and prayer. And so it was, a uh, for me, I think, you know, my uncle was certainly an inspiration. I think the number of holy priests in our diocese also kind of helped me along the way. I think of Father John Acri as a big influence on me when I was, especially at, when I was at Dowling High School and in college and in the seminary, he was, a, uh, I think, a great just spiritual mentor for me and, and a classmate of my uncle's as well. Marvelous, marvelous. And uh, so, so uh, the family was your siblings. You, you all commuted then from Perry to Dowling. Then that's a little bit of a daily drive, particularly if you're involved in co-curriculars and things. So yeah. we did. I think my parents were probably a little crazy to allow us to uh, to commute because you know it wasn't. It was a forty-five minute drive through the countryside. Winters were kind of tough sometimes, and. So uh, they were very trusting to allow us to drive. And so, yeah, very very often there were three of us in the car, three of us siblings at once, you know, driving to Dowling. And, you know, it was a sacrifice that time on the road and kind of starting over. I came in as a junior, so transferring in halfway through high school. But for all those small sacrifices, it was so worth it to, to go into a place like Dowling that was just, you know, Christ was the center of the school. Uh, that you had this culture uh, where people wanted to succeed and they wanted to grow spiritually. And so you just really saw that in in the students uh, from the moment we walked in the door on the first day, people greeting us and taking us to showing us our locker and walking us around the first day just so we knew where to go for classes. And, and uh, having, you know, I remember I think the first day I went and found the Blessed Sacrament Chapel and they had daily mass going on, and you know, so just those those beautiful things we have in in Catholic schools uh, that really make them distinctive from 
from uh, other places. I think for us, it was really the Catholic culture. So the quality education, great sense of receptivity and hospitality, which, uh, yeah, again, I feel like I had to find education in the public school, but at Ames High, you had to walk by the rail or the upper class over there. It filled me more with trepidation than a sense of being welcomed, (laughs) (laughs) you know, until I eventually took my place on the rail at one point. And then you were the one they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, and of course, you know, on that commute, it was only your brothers in a blizzard who put the car in the ditch. It wasn't you, right? (laughs) That's right. I never put the car. Let the record state. Okay, so we could talk more about Dowling, but uh, kind of uh, focusing now, maybe on your your sense of call within the call to chaplaincy. Could you speak about that and how that was something that tugged on your heart, and uh, was that a a challenge for others to embrace that, or how did that unfold? Sure. Yeah. The the, you know the military chaplaincy. It's a a call within a call. It's you know the the call, of course, is to the priesthood. That's my first call, and and be the best priest I can be. But within that, I felt like, especially the last couple of years, that the Lord was inviting me to serve those who serve us uh, in uniform. And uh, I was on a retreat about four years ago, and uh, we happened to be next station next, uh, or the retreat center was next to the Marine base, and so I kept hearing these explosions in the middle of this silent retreat <laughs> at this monastery. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and I asked the monks, and I said, well, that's Camp Pendleton next door, and that's where the Marines do their weapons training. So what a location. And so I remember seeing a couple of those Marines walking around town and thinking, wow, that kind of, they look like high schoolers, like from Dowling, you know, in uniform. I'm like, these people are really young. You know, there's such a, a young adult population in the military. Who's looking out for them? You know, who's helping them, especially once they get out of the house and high school? Like, who's going to walk with them and help them grow in faith? Kind of when they're in these you know, difficult situations and life-changing decisions they're making. Um, so, really, it kind of was just reaffirmed too. With we had a number of really quality students that were going off to the military academies or, uh, in, you know, right into you know active duty service. And a lot of them were staying in touch with me, and, and just kind of the Lord placed that in my heart a few years ago. And so, so Bishop Pates was was kind enough to walk with me in that for, it was over a year, you know, that we kind of talked about it and hated hated to lose a young priest, and uh, but was very open to discerning that with me. Yeah, tell me about it, hating to lose a young priest. <laughs> so, so, but uh, no, that sense. So even that retreat, maybe it was one of the ways God, God kind of broke in there, if you will, if it, you know, not setting off fireworks, but uh, in that way, kind of something that you pursued. Um, and uh, Air Force, among all the branches of service, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a lot of jokes that flow back and forth among branches of the, the military, if uh, my dad's experience in the Air Force is uh, disclosive in any way. But, but why the Air Force in particular? The Air Force, and I think for me, I could have served in any of the branches and would have been proud to do so. Really, it kind of came down to the Air Force got to me first. Um, the uh, pastor at my sister's parish, when I was visiting her, he was former Air Force. There was just a, a priest that I knew from St. Louis that were uh, in the reserves in the Air Force, and so it really kind of was the branch that I was familiar with. You know, we did a retreat with the archdiocese and I'm co-sponsored by them and the military archdiocese. 
the military archdiocese. Yeah, yeah, okay. And there were a number of uh, airmen there, so we were visiting air bases. And so, you know, for me, it really was kind of they got to me first. Um, and there's kind of, you know, there's the joke with the Air Force that they have the best food and best lodging. And I think that's true as well. Okay, so there are some creature comforts and human uh, benefits that go along with that as well. But uh, certainly it was not a, a country club existence. You started basic training uh, last year, or training for that. And can you maybe speak about that transition now at Barksdale Air Force Base and uh, some of the demands that you faced and, and what enlivened you with that? We did. So this past fall I went to officer training school in, in Montgomery, Alabama, and there were about 350 of us in our class it was an eight-week course and so the first two weeks are basic training you know uh there are drill sergeants we call them mti's military training instructors they're you know they're yelling at you you're marching you're in uniform you're having uniform inspections and so it was really a culture shock to be getting woken up suddenly you know at four in the morning and you know kind of um the first few weeks, especially transitioning to military life. And, uh, but really it was focused on training, uh, for leadership and being able to make decisions, being able to not have all the information right away, but to be able to adapt and uh, be able to act, you know, decisively. And so I think that was very helpful. And I had, you know, we, in my room, we had three other guys, we had two bunk beds, uh, pretty small, pretty small room for two months, you know, uh, for, for adults, you know, to be in, uh, so, um, your own little religious community yeah, there, right? It was a little <laughs> religious community and we all got very, very close, actually very tight, still talk. And, uh, and then after training, I went to, to my, it's called, called a tech school basically, but, a a chaplain school at the same base. And so I, was there for another couple months, uh, and that was really that was with all the other chaplains, and that was teaching us how to kind of function within the military as a chaplain. You know how to be faithful to our our endorser, our, our you know our faith background, while also realizing that we're an officer, uh, that we're working within a pluralistic organization, uh, you know with, within the government. So kind of how to, how to navigate some of those tricky situations and our role as chaplains. And so that was uh, helpful. So uh, now I'm at, been at, I got to uh, Arksdale Air Force Base here in Shreveport, Louisiana, just a few weeks before COVID started. Uh, so um, I got here and I'm the pastor of the on-base chapel for the Catholics. Mm-hmm. So we have the, uh, Weekend masses and confessions, daily mass, kind of all those parish life activities. But then also I'm embedded with a with the unit, so I'm assigned to the police officers, to the firefighters, the canine unit, the guys that uh, oh they get rid of bombs, the the uh, EOD. So a lot of interesting career career fields that I'm kind of embedded with that I'm ministering to them directly as a chaplain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a, a 
you know, a lot of diversity even within that and the different roles and uh, different uh, branches within the Air Force there. Um, this is not meant to be a gotcha question, but uh, uh, pose a kind of a challenging question to you here. What would you say to someone who might be critical and say, why is the church so closely aligned with the armed forces? I mean, obviously there's the ministry to the members, but does this give a, an impression perhaps of kind of baptizing, if you will, uh, armed combat or, or or lethal force even. And so, you know, the conscience concerns that might arise for people. So I just put that forward because that's something that uh, some might want to hear. How does, how does one who's in, in, involved, embedded, if you will, uh, perceive that in one's own identity? Sure, and I think that a, as chaplains, you are walking a very, uh, you're in a very interesting situation because we're non-combatants, you know, so we don't, we ourselves don't fight. And really we're there to minister to those, uh, especially me as a priest, uh, to minister to Catholics that are there away from home, that are making difficult decisions. And so I think for us, it's, we want to have an influence over, for example, the the Catholic general or the Catholic Colonel, we want to be there to influence them and always work toward peace, you know, whenever possible. Uh, But we also want to be able to, you know, help them get to heaven, help them grow spiritually. Um, And so I think for us, it's really about, you know, them being able to exercise their, you know, their uh, free exercise of religion for them, uh, being able to practice their faith, uh, have access to the, the sacraments. And, you know, if you look at the history of the Church, you know, we have a number of saints. Well, today's saint, St. Ignatius of Loyola, mm-hmm. was a soldier. So we have a number of saints Father that Zach, were I'm just going to ask military. you to, to pause there. We're going to carry, if you're willing to carry over the break, uh, we'll ask you just to hang for a moment here, and we'll come back, okay? All right. We're going to take a quick bike. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq des Moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Welcome back. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. We're back again with Father Zach Kautsky. Thank you, Father Zach, for remaining with us. Uh, we were talking about uh, helping uh, guide, form, uh, reflect uh, from the perspective of conscience for not only uh, the enlisted men and women, but uh, those who are in leadership positions. Uh, maybe you had another thought in that direction, and then just, you know, how, you know, ministering to the challenges that uh, members of our military face, what are some of those prominent challenges? So we have uh, right now in the the Air Force, I know we have about 75,000 Catholics. Um, And then you had dependents in there. So we have, I think, about 100 Catholics just within the Air Force. And there's 
around 55 priests serving them kind of worldwide. And so we're definitely, definitely uh, like everywhere else, kind of in demand. And I think for me, so being a military chaplain, for me, uh, really important that that we have, you know, that we have uh, as Catholics uh, a seat at the table, if you will, you know, in in decision making that's happening by commanders and uh, the day to day moral choices that people are are making on their job, and so on. So I think it's very it's one one of those places where the church can really, you know, we kind of try to stay out of politics, but we uh, we try to support the individual and help them to fulfill their their duty and. So I think uh, for me as a chaplain, I'm happiest when I'm uh, hearing confessions of Catholics, of reaching out to to our airmen that are, you know, many of them have stopped practicing their Catholic faith because they, you know, they maybe went to to tech school out of high school or, you know, um, basic training out of high school and then maybe kind of faded away from a Catholic community. And so I think that's really uh, where priests can be really helpful is, bringing some of those people back, inviting them into community. And so uh, for me, I'm, you know, I'm really excited about, we're about to hire a new Catholic coordinator and really focusing on evangelization and reaching out, especially to the, the Catholics on base and kind of plugging them in to small groups and plugging them into different parish activities that we have going on. Tremendous. So you're really on the front lines of the mission, not only of our country, but preeminently the mission of the kingdom and evangelization and everything else. And so, uh, as we say, you know, we are grateful for your service to the diocese, but also to the universal church. And uh, may God bless you and keep you safe, uh, Father Zach. And I look forward to connecting with you the next time you're passing through Des Moines. So uh, blessings and thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Father. All right. Very good. So again, uh, you know, the extension uh, in the sense of the missionary work of the diocese and uh, uh, learning a little bit more about the, the, the family connections there with Father John, his mm-hmm. uncle as well. I'm uh, praising God and giving thanks to God today. Uh, prayers for many in the Corpus Christi community and Council Bluffs. Uh, we were very concerned for Anna Martinez. She's one of the pillars there, a wife and mother, and uh, a woman who kind of bridges the Hispanic and Anglo communities there at Corpus Christi. She was in critical condition with COVID in the hospital just a few days ago and with mm-hmm. prayers answered. She's being discharged from the hospital, so she's being returned to those uh, there. So knowing her, she'll be like the uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. She'll get up and start waiting on people (laughs) as as soon as she has the opportunity. I'm sure she's uh, isolating here for these days and uh, transitions Mm -hmm. back into life as she knew it before. Also heavy on my heart is the concerns for Marco Balmaceda of the St. Anthony's Parish Mm -hmm. here in Des Moines. Marco and Diana, his wife, have been living in the States for about 20 years. Four children, Diego, 21. Uh, Daniel's 19, Mark who's 14, Matthew's 12. They all the sons serve mass with uh, with uh, Marco himself, who's MC, hopes to be a deacon. He and and Diana have been part of the leadership formation program, Hispanic, and both have graduated. And so I think that desire and the many ministries they undertake. Well, this past week, Immigration uh, Customs Enforcement uh, detain, have detained uh, Marco, and we're concerned uh, about where that'll be. This this man who, in his own right, has done so much not only to build up the parish, but the Des Moines community, uh, working as as well uh, in, in, in uh, car uh, maintenance and repair, uh, at Silzer Auto Repair, uh, honest working man, paying 
paying his taxes. And so I can't see why it was uh, uh, the appointed time for ICE to, to come in in this mm-hmm. way. For someone who is not in any way a threat, in fact, has been someone who's uh, enriched uh, people. Uh, the common good has been realized there, too. So remember the Knights of Columbus, Worldwide Marriage Encounter, and we're grateful. All right. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com.